My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. If you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10. And if you haven't already had a chance to head over to OurSundaySchool.com, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, you can grab our handout for this morning's class and uh, take a look at all the other resources that are there. So we'll say welcome this morning to uh, quite a few folks that have joined us this morning. So fantastic. So Jessica's got room uh, 206 up and running. Thank you for that. Looks like the uh, Jonicas are there. The heirs are on their way. Wonderful. Uh, we've got the Johnsons, the McClures, the Barbers, the Greggs from North Carolina. Hey guys, um, the Belosins, the Landers, and the Archers. Fantastic. I feel like I skipped somebody here. Oh, Barry said something in a different language, and I don't know what that is. So, good morning, Barry, uh, and good afternoon, Vicki. Uh, let's see, we've got the Arnolds here as well. So, fantastic. Awesome. Both sets. Wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you guys. Uh, so, this morning, I want to take a, a bit of a, a backward approach to Sunday school. So, typically, what we do is we uh, read the text, we explain the text, we apply and then personalize. I want to start at the end of the handout. So if you want to, um, if you want to head over to the fourth page of your handout where there's the application, which is what is the point and the personalization, which is what do we do with that? So think about the, think about the application as the, uh, the moral, if you will, or the conclusion. And then the personalization is how do we, as 21st century believers go and wear and show that we have understood and are being obedient or consistent with that particular point. So uh, in today's lesson, I do not have any applications and personalizations. Uh, you are going to come up with the applications and personalizations. Uh, and I will tell you that I will hint and drop some clues as we go through. Uh, but we have some technology that uh, that uh, allows us to uh, engage a little bit differently uh, than we have in the past. So uh, here's an example. So this is what uh, Barry put on Facebook as the comment. So if you know what this means, uh, chime in. That would be super helpful to me. I have no idea what that means. Uh, he has probably already uh, commented on that. So I'll see that in just a minute. And uh, Josh Landers for the win. Yes, that is exactly right. That is Voltron. Uh, that is not an Autobot or a Decepticon. That is Voltron. So well done, Josh. Two points for you. The points have no monetary value or spiritual value, but you get two points. And uh, good morning to the clicks. And Nancy Miller from Oak Ridge. Fantastic. And the errors are there. And yes, we did order from Ikea. Uh, we're working on the echo that's in the room. Hopefully that'll be a little bit better next week. We'll get some sound panels in here and uh, we'll go from there. But we're going to lean on you guys this morning for the application, which is the what is the point and the personalization, the what do we do with that. So as we're going through the text this morning, I will encourage you to focus on the application. Uh, focusing on the personalization skips a point and can very easily get us into uh, this is all about me centered but focusing on the application is a much steadier, more consistent way to think through uh, Bible study. So with that, 
uh, we'll ask our question that we ask each week, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? And I know he is doing something for his children because this is what he has promised to do. Uh, and our God keeps his promises. And we'll, we'll see a little bit of that today as well. So we'll read through Mark chapter 10. Uh, we'll start today, Lord willing, in a few minutes at 10.32. Uh, short handout today, four, four pages, and most of the back page is blank. And, uh, and we'll go through 32, 33, 34. And then uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll start with 35. So Mark chapter 10, here we go. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, 
and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and spit on him, and flog him, and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the son of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those to whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, not, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man and said to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Chapter 10. <clears throat> Another Oak Ridge listener checking in. Wonderful. Well, welcome, Ms. Hopper. Glad to have you this morning. And the Gilchrists are here. Wonderful. Hey, guys. Been praying for you all this week uh, very, very much. So appreciate you being here today. So we're in uh, Mark chapter 10 today. And again, if you haven't already gotten your handout from uh, OurSundaySchool.com, I would strongly encourage you to do so. Uh, you'll probably need that today because, again, we're going to be asking you, I'm asking you this morning to be looking at the applications and personalizations as we go through the lesson. So feel free to, as you see one in verses 32 through 34, just type them in. And uh, that way, when we get to that section of uh, the lesson, we'll have several in and ready to go and won't have to uh, wait very long. So we're starting with verse 32 today, and um, so let's start from there. So verse 32 says, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. So this word uh, were is in the imperfect tense, which means this is action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. So this is something that they've been doing for a while, right? So they were on the road. Uh, going up. This is a present active participle. It, it took a minute to get there. This was a habit at this point for them. To Jerusalem. This is where Jesus has been talking to them about going for quite some time now. Um, if you're wondering where we are in Jesus' three, three and a half-ish year ministry, 
uh, we are coming to the end of that because we are just, uh, I, I would argue, probably weeks away from entering into Jerusalem at this point. And uh, we are wrapping up his ministry pretty quickly. Uh, so we're, we're on the road going up to Jerusalem. And we know, obviously, from having been familiar with the Gospels, Jer Jerusalem is where things end and begin uh, in Jesus' story. So the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead. So this was as an imperfect. So this is something that he regularly did as well. This was common for rabbis to be walking in front of their students. Uh, one of the common phrases of the day was, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So you're close enough that the dust that the rabbi's feet kick up actually get on you because your goal was to be just like your rabbi. So they, the rabbi was walking ahead. Jesus was walking ahead of them. <clears throat> and then... Uh, and they were amazed. And, and you might be thinking, what were they amazed about? This seems like an odd spot to drop in in amazement. Well, what do we know about what the disciples were doing on the road when they traveled? What do we have? So this is a question for you guys. You guys engage on this one, please. Uh, what do we know that the disciples were doing while Jesus was leading them somewhere? If we look over the course of all of the Gospels, what do we have them record? Uh, what do we have, what's the record of them uh, their behavior, their activity, while they are following Jesus. So what were they up to? I'll give you a hint. If you look at the verb tenses, so it's an imperfect, so this is something that happened regularly in the past. It's passive, which means that something happened to them, which is very interesting. And it's indicative. It's exactly right, Josh. They were talking to each other. They would talk to each other about what they just learned, about what they just saw. They would be amazed. They'd be, uh, that's right, Barry. They would argue many times. Um, but they were engaging with each other while Jesus is pointing, saying, we are going there. Uh, so they were amazed. <clears throat> and they were very likely amazed. If you look at Mark chapter 10, what had happened just before this. So he has just told them that it's not about riches. He has just told them that uh, persecution is coming. He has just told them that many are, who are first will be last and last first. Like what in the world is going on with this statement? This is backward talk, right? This is craziness. So they're, they're amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And this word followed is present active participles. So this is the habit of following. These are folks that were, um, you know, we've talked several times about the, the circles of influence that Jesus has, right? So he's got the disciple that, that Jesus loved, John, and then you've got the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and then you've got um, the 12 apostles themselves, and then you've got the 70 that went in and out, and then you've got this larger kind of crowd that's on the periphery. Uh, and then scattered in and throughout the, uh, that, those groups are these women who basically funded a uh, large portion of Jesus' ministry. So you've got all these who followed were afraid. This is the Greek word phobeo. Uh, so they were, they were scared about this, right? Because their, their model for understanding the priority and rank in God's eyes was literally just flipped. So they're, they're processing, they're reacting, and you know how it is. You, you hear something interesting, and then it, 
it does, you don't evaluate the entire thing instantly and then never think about it again. No, you, you chew on this, you meditate on this, you think about it, you roll it around. And for some things, they, they get more profound the more you think about them. And I, I would argue that many who are first will be last and the last first is one that gets more profound the more that you think about it, right? So those who followed were afraid and uh, taking the 12 again, right? So he's, he's pulling the 12 aside, separating them from the larger group. So taking the 12 again, uh, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Now, quiz time real quick. Has Jesus already told the disciples what's going to happen to him? Has he already told them this information? So in verse, um, we're in uh, 32 still, and taking the, the 12 again, again is a tip there. He began to tell them what was, this is a present active participle, this is the habit of things that are going to happen uh, to him. Uh, and th this is, it's a bit of an awkward uh, Greek wording. Uh, you've probably picked up on this already, but Greek word order is not the same as English word order. Uh, verbs usually come earlier in the sentence than they do in English, uh, and uh, there are articles all over the place. Um, uh, Julie and I watch a Netflix show called Kim's Convenience, and it's about a, a Korean family and how they engage life in Canada, and so it's a really funny show. And uh, they go to a Korean church, and the Korean uh, the mom in the family has this habit of saying, we're going to worship the Jesus. And she puts the article in front of Jesus' name on a very regular basis. And it's, it's a bit for comedic effect and it's a bit to exaggerate the different stylistic and vocabulary patterns of different ethnicities. And I, I chuckle every time I hear her say it because it's funny, but it's also really how it's written in Greek a lot of the time. It, it's you'll, you'll read through and and it's the Jesus. Um, so there's lots of different uh, word orders here. But yes, the, he has actually given them this very explicit information about what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem uh, a couple of times already. This, this in Mark's gospel, this is the third time that it shows up. And if, you, if you've been to church very long and you hear a preacher say, you know, when God repeats himself, this is really important. And, and I would amend that and say, when God says anything, it's really important. And when he repeats himself, it's because we're really stupid. And uh, we, me, Jim, I can deeply, deeply resonate and uh, relate with the disciples here because uh, I have to be told things so many times before I really kind of grasp it and get it. Um, <clears throat> it's exactly right, Mark. When he did tell them, uh, about what was to come, they didn't get it. And uh, we, I would argue that we don't get it very often either. Um, it, it was something that was slow. Uh, it is something that is not instantaneous. Uh, it is something that I would argue is, is more like water running over a rock. You just kind of slowly come to the realization that, oh, okay, this is, this is how this particular thing works. Now, the thing that I want to show you uh, in verses 33 and 34, uh, is Jesus uses a couple of words very specifically, and the tenses uh, and the, the conjugations here are just incredible. Um, the, 
the confidence that he has in his own words is, it really comes through when you kind of peel back the layers here a little bit. So here's what Jesus says to him, verse 33. C. Now, in English, like I have a hard time reading this when I read the chapter, giving this the emphasis that it needs because it's an imperative. Uh, you almost could, could say, listen up, or look here, or doing something to get their attention because the idea here is, is that it was very, very specifically a command for them to engage with me, listen up. And for those of you that have done any teaching, you know that every once in a while, you just have to do something to get your class's attention because they might not be with you. Like this is just a reality of teaching. Uh, some of you sat up straight when I snapped my fingers a couple of seconds ago and were like, wait, what's he doing right now? Because you were off looking at something else, right? It's kind of craziness. So he says to them, uh, see, we are going up, present active indicative. So this is, we are currently in the process. This is a fact. We are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over. And, and this is the first of these eight that are going to show up here of future indicatives. Now, a future tense is something that's going to happen in the future and an indicative is a statement of fact. So I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Apart from what we know and is clearly explained in the Bible, we can't make future indicatives with any confidence whatsoever. Because I don't know what the future holds. I know Jesus is coming back. I know God will make all things right. I know all will be judged. I know that there will be a time uh, in the future where heaven and earth, where we can engage in the worship and service of God in ways that we can't now. I know that God will be the light. There's lots of other things that I'm kind of blanking on right now that show up in the back of the book. Uh, but other than what we know from the scripture, we can't definitively pronounce future indicatives with 100% confidence, which is one of the reasons why we say things like, Lord willing, Lord willing, if, if this if he wills this to occur, then yes, this will this will happen. Uh, but Jesus, with one hundred percent accuracy, can declare and state future indicatives. And this, I would argue, is one of the things that separates him from every other religious leader. Is that every single one of Jesus's future indicatives comes to pass because he's already been there. Right? We're talking about the one who spoke the worlds into existence. We're talking about the one who was there when Adam was made. We're talking about the one that the father refers to when in Genesis 3 about uh, someone will come and crush the head of the serpent. We're talking about the one who saw all of Old Testament history unfold and was there with the Israelites. We're talking about the one who is Emmanuel, who is God with us. We're talking about the one who left heaven and came to live in the dirt that he made, who came to engage with the people who rebelled against him, who is so incredibly patient with both those with whom he walked and with those who are walking after him now. This is the one we are talking about. Of course he knows the future. 
He holds the future. <laughs> it's this is you know if you if you've been around church very long, you, you know that it, it's easy to get like ah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course God knows the future. Like think how astounding that is. He knows the future. Like what in the world? What in the world? That is craziness. So when Jesus drops these future indicatives, these are these are significant statements about his uh, authority and knowledge of the future. And he is declaring a little bit once again who he is. All right, so here we go. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests. And we'll talk about chief priests a little bit more when we get into Jerusalem. Uh, but this is specifically the high priest's uh, these will rotate. We'll talk about the, the cadence of that and how we know some timelines and whatnot from that. So uh, we'll be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, right? So these are some of the folks that are out to get him, uh, which shouldn't be a shocker to the disciples at this point, given those who have come and opposed them. Uh, so the chief priests and the scribes, and uh, they will condemn. So again, another future indicative. So this is to judge against. So they're going to judge the judge. It's not a good idea. Really not a good idea. I, I don't know if you've ever been in court. I've been in court a few times. Uh, a couple where I was uh, the one trying to appeal or argue something and a couple where I'm just sitting in the, in the galley watching the events. And I have never seen anybody have a successful outcome when you judge the judge, whether that be the person under indictment, whether that be the person pleading their case, whether that be the lawyers on either side, whether that be somebody in the courtroom, when you judge the judge, bad things happen. Uh, and ultimately that's, that's what's gonna happen here as well. So the, the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn or they will judge him to death and deliver. Now, the interesting thing is that this is the same word. This is uh uh, Paradidomai, uh, the G3860, uh, that shows up, up uh, in earlier in this verse. Uh, he will be delivered over to the chief priests and they will deliver him over to the Gentiles, right? So another future indicative, that's the third one there, the second deliver. They will deliver him over uh, to the Gentiles. Oh, wow. They're going to deliver the deliverer. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Had to get that out. They will deliver him over to the Gentiles. And uh, verse 34, and they will mock him, or to make fun of, or to tease, or to harass. Now flip over to Mark 15, 20 real quick. I didn't want to do this for every single one of these words, but if you look at, uh, let's look at Mark 15, uh, 19. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him. That's going to show up in just a second. And kneeling down in homage to him. And then when they had mocked him, right? So, the same words that Jesus uses here in chapter 10 are the words that are used in Mark chapter 15 because he knows the future. So uh, they deliver him over to the Gentiles, verse 34, and they will mock him and they will spit on him and they will flog him or strike him. This is the, the word we see in 19. Uh, and they will kill him. This is the third time he's told him this, that we have record of him, Mark. The third time he's gone over this same information, this repeated message. 
and what's their reaction. The interesting thing is if you look in the uh, uh, Mark chapter 10, the, the very next paragraph is uh, James and John come up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> so they immediately begin focusing on themselves again. So I, I, would, I would propose that the text makes it pretty clear they didn't get it the third time either. And quite frankly, most of them are not going to really fundamentally get it until Jesus physically shows back up in front of them after rising from the dead, which is why he doesn't just stop with, and they will kill him. He finishes this paragraph with, and after three days, he will rise. And I love that Jesus's last future indicative here is indicative of what will actually occur, the thing that changes everything, right? We talk sometimes about, uh, we talk sometimes about the, the birth of Jesus Christ and how the, the baby changes everything. Well, yeah, God with us does change everything, absolutely. But if he'd stayed a baby and never actually fulfilled the work, then this wouldn't have been the will of the Father. It wouldn't have been what the prophecies foretold. What had to happen was the brutal death of our Messiah and his resurrection. And in this little glimpse of what's going on here, Jesus is picturing part of the gospel, this death, this resurrection of himself, of the Son of Man. So we come now to this application and personalization. So as you look over verses 32 through 34, what is the point? Uh, I find it very helpful sometimes just as a, from a, from a big picture to work through, not some really interesting nuanced, like just what's the big picture point of 32 through 34. So start typing those comments in. You can do this from your smartphone, even if you're sitting in a room with others. So they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them and they were amazed and those who followed were afraid. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So what are the applications? What are the personalizations? Let's start with the applications. What's the big point? Many times it's easiest to think about this from a, uh, who's, the, who's the primary character in this, uh, this passage? Obviously that's Jesus here. Secondary characters are the apostles, kind of tertiary characters would be the crowd around them. Uh, and then those who are gonna be uh, fulfilling these actions later in the future. So, <clears throat> so what would be a good application point?
clients. So Josh has given us an excellent example of an application and a personalization mesh together. So I was hoping somebody would do this. Thanks, Josh, for going first. I appreciate that. So follow Jesus would be a personalization. This would be what do we do with something that is a truth? So the truth here is Jesus knows the future. Absolutely. That's a great application point. So a, a, an implication of that that we should then engage with is uh, follow Jesus, right? Well, why wouldn't you follow the one who knows the future, right? This is incredible. So we'll say application number one is Jesus knows the future. Excellent job, Josh. Uh, and uh, and uh, the personalization, what do we do with that? Follow Jesus. Great. Good job. Um, <clears throat> yes, there are many things. That's exactly right. That Jesus has told us many times in scripture. Uh, they will come to pass. Absolutely. So uh, we could say it this way. Uh, the application would be what Jesus says will come to pass. And uh, a, a personalization of that would be, and Margie at the end here says, are we listening? We should listen to what Jesus says. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. 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 Um, Jessica is basically the exact same thing there. What Jesus says will come to pass. Uh, one of the things that I love about this section in Mark chapter 10 is it, to me, mimics very closely the big overarching truth of Genesis 1. Uh, you know, the, the big overarching tr truth of Genesis 1 is that God has always been, he has created all things, and whatever he says will occur, right? So God spoke, and it was. God spoke, and it was. God spoke, and it was. And we see this pattern built in the first page of Scripture that Jesus then uses. He speaks, and a couple pages later we see it is. He speaks, and a couple pages later we see it is. He speaks, and a couple pages. Like, he is doing God things. Pulling back and showing who he actually is, right? Um, Jesus knows. Yes, that's exactly right. Jesus knows. Uh, a great application point. So personalize that. What do we do with that? It's great to just know that he knows. What do we do with that? We follow him, right? We, we listen. We obey what he says. Um, so from Sherry, believe him because he does what he says he will do. Yes, very good. So what is the point? The point is Jesus does what he says he will do. So what do we do with that? We believe him. So I'm trying to try to very specifically tease out the difference between an application and a personalization. Because if you skip the applications, you then limit the personalizations. You, you overly focus on what do we do with it, and it becomes us-centered as, as opposed to see what God has done here, see what this truth is. Um, yeah, Jesus is the ultimate begins with the end in mind. He, he is. Uh, his love endures and his prophecy is true. Yes, good, good, good. There is a strong element of prophecy in what Jesus is doing here, right? Because when making statements about the future, if they come true, you have demonstrated yourself to be a prophet. Excellent, excellent, Jen. Uh, so Jesus, so application point here, Jesus is a true prophet, and we don't hear about him wearing that mantle very often in Baptist circles because prophecy makes some of us very nervous. Uh, but Jesus is a true prophet. So what do we do with that? Well, we follow him, right? We obey, we heed, we examine, we study, we follow. 
we repent and believe where we need to. So yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Uh, I love it. Good job, guys. Very good job today. I know you had it in you. Um, so uh, our schedule. Uh, okay, we got one more. Jessica, he continues to teach his followers even when they don't get it the first time. Yes, thank you. Good. That was the one that I really wanted to say and I was not going to. I was hoping somebody would, would plug in. Uh, so Jesus, so maybe the application could be worded this way. Uh, Jesus continues to teach his followers, right? Jesus teaches until the lesson is learned. So what do we do with that? Pay attention to his teaching, right? Obey his teaching. Uh, these are really, really good things. Yeah, there you go. I told my kids, uh, do what I say and not what I do. Jesus says, uh, do what I say and do what I do. He's such a better example uh, than me. Yes, he is, Barry, and me too, and I'm glad. I am glad. Thank goodness he does. Amen to that, Amy. All right, so at the bottom of your handout, down there on page 334, uh, is our homework. So we are going to start uh, next week, Lord willing, right? It's not a future indicative. <laughs> it's a future subjunctive, I hope. <laughs> Probably stronger than an optative, the remote hope. Uh, but my future subjunctive is next week we'll start with Mark 10, 35. And uh, we'll go until we're finished, right? Next week's text is a is a hefty tome. Um, it's 35 to 45 is that whole section. So probably at least two weeks, maybe three. We'll probably have another two or three weeks uh, talking about one of my favorite characters in the New Testament, uh, Blind Bartimaeus. And then uh, your homework this week is to pray for help in understanding Mark, to hear Mark multiple times, to think about Mark day and night, to talk with somebody dead or alive about Mark, uh, to share your insights about Mark and then to invite a member and a non-member. Uh, all of our resources for this series are at OurSundaySchool.com. So if you hadn't been there to check that out, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, you can subscribe to our weekly email, our podcast, uh, the YouTube channel where all this stuff ultimately ends up. And uh, other than that, I think that's it for me today. So thanks for all your help with the application and personalizations. You did a great job today. I'll give you an A+. And... Uh, until I see you again, I miss you, I love you, I'm praying for you, and grace and peace to you. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.